0: Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Lager and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Hi, everybody. This is Eileen. Uh, I, I just wanted to kick off this month's episode by saying that for those of you who might have discovered the Northern Lager podcast through a recommendation or social media or iTunes... You should know that this podcast is connected to a print magazine, the Northern Logger and Timber Processor Magazine, uh, which is based out of Old Forge, New York, and covers the forest products industry through profiles of logging operations, sawmills, and lots of uh, coverage of different business practices and issues that come up when you're working in the woods And you can subscribe to our magazine, which will give you an edge over the competition at our website, northernlogger.com. Go there to subscribe. Go there to find out lots of other information about logging in the Northeast and the Midwest. So... Another note, which is that if, if you do read the magazine, you should be getting your August issue right around now. And there's a note in the back of the magazine on an upcoming podcast that we're working on that is about something called the jumping Frenchman of Maine disease, uh, which is a rare disorder that was found in the old lumber camps of Maine. That episode is in progress, but in the meantime, I decided that now is a good time to cover the situation on workers' compensation in Vermont. So as people in the industry obviously know, workers' comp varies widely from state to state. While states like Maine have a pretty reasonable situation with workers' comp, uh, a state like Vermont, where the industry is small, uh, is struggling to keep insurance rates low, and that's due to a lot of factors, Um Participation and also just the scale of the industry. So at a meeting a few weeks ago in central Vermont, many of the industry leaders from the state and surrounding states met to discuss this complex issue. The Northern Logger followed up with several attendees to hear more of their thoughts. Andy Wood from Mimic is one of many consultants who focuses on reducing risk for the forest industry. He spoke to me about Maine and the state's success with getting workers' comp rates to uh, be reasonable, and also some about the details uh, about current safety practices and workplace injuries.
1: In the
2: spring, I spend most of my time working with industry groups like our CLP, our Certified Logging Profession, or the PLC, Professional Logging Contractors, because we do a lot of group training uh, there in the spring during mud season through the associations. So we work with all, we partner with pretty much. Anybody in the state that has, you know, as a part of their agenda, is safety, we we spend time with them, c- trying to support them, and, and obviously doing a lot of training with them. Way back from the beginning, um, when we first started the CLP, started in ninety one, and they got a right off the right off the top before we even had any history, they had they got a ten percent discount. If you, okay, so in, in Maine, you have to go to the training and you have to p- pass a field evaluation. So you're not certified just from going to the class. Someone comes out to the field and, you know, does an evaluation, job site evaluation. And once you get, you pass that field evaluation, you're certified and you would get 10% off. And then after that, after, um, so the insurance company started tracking our our rates separately, our history. And then after three years, basically your rate goes wherever the statistics tell you. So right now, so we have two rates for conventional, you know, chainsaw logging. And then we have two rates for mechanical logging as well. We have certified and then the non-certified. And the difference has been huge. You know, uh, several years ago, it was like maybe 10 years ago for mechanical, it was 30% off. And I thought that was huge. I thought that that's great. And then the next year it went up to 40% off and I didn't think it would get much better than that, but then for several years, I think for like three years, it was almost 70% off. So, if you got, you send your guys to the training and you got them certified, the guys, not your whole company, but whoever was certified, their payroll was reduced by 70% because they were in the, you know, they got the certified rate, and they actually created a separate, a different job class for them. So, if we, you had a logger here, you we have four rates. We have you would either be a hand crew or a mechanical. That would be the first separation. And then you would have certified or not certified in either one of those categories. I look at our trends all the time. And and some of the bigger trends haven't changed. You know, They change a little bit, but slips, trips, and falls, and then overexertions. That would be like back, shoulders, and arms, pulled muscles, and ligaments, tears, things <laughs> like that, strains. So those are the two most frequent injuries we have. So I'm always going to look at you know, scenarios that generate those injuries and talk about them. And then our two biggest, our most serious and fatal um, are transportation and separation of operation. So transportation could be, you know, for the truck drivers, it's driving all day, but for the equipment operators, maybe it's just driving to and from work or going to get parts or, you know, mechanic and the foreman, they're on the road a lot. And then separation of operation is just, you know, there's so much going on, particularly with this change to mechanical harvesting. There's a lot going on in a little area on the landing. And anytime somebody gets out of a piece of equipment and is on an active landing, he's, he's kind of a moving target for equipment operators who oftentimes don't see them. So those are, those are the trends that we've seen going on for a while. Um, but one of the things I mentioned that's a relatively new hazard, in fact only a couple of years we've seen it, is the um, ultra-low sulfur diesel fuel is behaving quite, quite a bit differently from the old sulfur. Of course, we had full sulfur fuel, and then for quite a few years we had low sulfur. That didn't seem to make a huge difference, but now we have ultra-low sulfur. And that's actually, we've had something that we never heard of before, is the vapors are igniting. Anytime there's an ignition source, the ignition sources have been static, uh, um, static electricity from the pump that was pumping it, um, smoking, or... Um, bic lighters. So we've had three ignition sources but the vapors um, are igniting and, and in each of these the the diesel in the liquid form never caught on fire. It was just the vapors. It's just one one explosion, the vapors igniters an explosion and there can be a lot of damage. One of our, our one of our biggest injuries from two years ago was from that. And that's finally when we figured out what the cause was that it was the ultra low sulfur was, you know, one of the contributing factors which again we never you know, no and people are very, uh, you know, people are a little bit cautious around gasoline, but around diesel fuel, they're pretty casual because it doesn't burn that, you know, that, that, that it doesn't ignite that easily. So people are pretty casual around it. But now apparently it's going to be quite a bit different. And there's a couple of factors. I think just the fact that they've, they've re-refined that and re-refined that, trying to get it to burn cleaner and cleaner and cleaner all the time. And then they took all the, uh, the sulfur out of it, um, that's that's uh, changing its characteristics quite a bit. Yeah, in the in the early days, of course, the, you know we weren't popular at all. But if you want to talk more about what we're seeing now, I mean, we have um, our associations have been you know big drivers of this. For I mean, we partnered with all of them early on, but um, we were I would say we were the driving forces behind that. And now our associations are probably. Um, you know when they when they do when they start organizing trainings in the spring they call us and say we're doing this what you know we what what do we need to talk about this year we want you to come and do a presentation on you know this issue we found or what are you seeing for trends so it's it's been quite a quite a change and with the it co- comp rates being so different for so many years pretty much everybody knows that there's a lot of money to be saved so now they're realizing, boy, the margins are really tight right now, and we can't afford to have comp bounce back up to where it was years ago. So um, the associations are, you know, motivating the the contractors as well as the insurers. Of course, it always works better when it's coming from from the from the loggers themselves. You know, the one of the things I I got out of the, that meeting, some of the discussion that they play no part you know the rates are being set by politicians or insurance companies or regulators somewhere and boy they do I mean there's a lot of factors that go into it but they control uh, as far as workplace safety the employer controls what happens on the job so he does really have a, a pretty you know can ha- uh have a big influence on what practices are are uh, happening out there and ultimately that's what's going to drive your losses i mean if the cost of uh, you know medical services goes up that that's a factor you don't have direct control over that but if you're if your employee has to go to the doctor in the first place because you have unsafe um, practices then then uh you know that you do have a lot of control over L- making them th- know that as employers they do play a big role in that you know they uh, and determine how often they're you know how often they're going to have the the claims that the people need to be you know treated for um I think the big you know the big thing in 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 Mamek, when we started, we had a complete meltdown in the state, our workman's comp system was i mean we had a state shutdown for seventeen days because the legislators wouldn't pass a budget until workers' comp was addressed, and that allowed us to really start right from scratch and kind of we had a complete meltdown so we had a complete rebuild, you know safety was a huge part of that. Um, claims management is part of that, but all the way up through the 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 whole, you know, when you think about turning the wheels of a of, of the bureaucracy when an injury occurs, you know, we did a lot to really streamline that
3: process.
0: Dan Wood of Allard Lumber wants to see everyone in his state covered by mandatory workers' comp, but sees that change as an uphill battle.
3: I, I don't. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. one of those things and unfortunately and so I feel bad for some of those loggers that are there because I mean these are the guys that are paying all this money out and the guy down the road doesn't have it you know and whether it be I mean I don't know landowners not realizing this or foresters foresters seem to uh, a lot of them don't want to uh, don't want to get involved in it or don't want to make sure so a few of them make say you have to have workman's comp the rest of them just kind of turn their head you know i mean it's it's a tough situation i mean when you hire anybody to come on your land to work you know whether it be electrician or a carpenter they should all have workman's comp or else you're liable if something happens and it's the same with this you know i mean we go to court we've we've seen it happen before so um I, i mean i guess a little bit of landowners knowing that, you know, does this guy have workman's comp? I mean, a lot of people just hire a logger. They don't use a forester, and you really don't need one for a lot of jobs. But um, it's not like they're out there saying, you know, you should have somebody with workman's comp.
0: Sam Lincoln, who you might recognize from the podcast, he's been a guest before, is on the board of LEAP uh, and has been logging for 20 years he broke down the reasons that Workers' Comp has not been entirely successful in Vermont to date.
1: Well, um, Vermont has a, a smaller, a very small pool of insured contractors, and we, so we have not addressed as we as labor laws and the world has evolved. Vermont's forest economy has not involved with it and address the situation with workers' comp insurance and avoidance of workers' comp insurance. We have um, a situation where people are able to label someone as an independent contractor or a subcontractor and avoid paying uh, unemployment insurance, payroll tax, and workers' comp insurance premiums on them. And when I say they're able to avoid that, it's not because of any loophole in the law, but because of of, of a culture has allowed a blind eye to be turned toward those illegal situations. And so as we, as I, as a a contractor, when I saw my rates go up, I um, had a meeting with the insurance regulators when I was still on the outside of state government. And I saw that there were only, there were well under a hundred insured logging contractors in Vermont. And, and that was a stunning, uh, revelation that, that when that was revealed to me that they, uh, that there were so few contractors with insurance. So we have a very small pool paying in and whether an accident is large or small, when someone makes a claim into that small pool and they can't spread it out very far. So it has to be, uh, spread out very thick, uh, uh, you know, that's applied very heavily to whoever's in the insurance pool. And so that's one issue we have to address. Why our Mm -hmm. insurance is so high in Vermont is we have to grow the pool. We don't have Mm -hmm. logger licensing in Vermont. We don't have any way that every logger is tallied up Mm -hmm. and who they are. And we have to, confront the situation of avoidance. We get regular uh, people pull me aside at meetings, people call me on the nights and the weekends and say, um, I know of a situation where someone's working without insurance, or we just confronted someone on a logging operation working without insurance. So we know firsthand and currently that there are lots of people working without insurance. So we need to address that. But we also need, uh, as I was a certified contractor with, with both Leap and Master Logger, um, I saw the states around us, that they, re, they recognized that. There was either a state special class code or there was a, an insurance program, a self-insured trust, something that recognized that. And I found that there was no way for any of my interest in having a safe culture, safety culture on my operation, training for employees, um, none of that. Would, would be reflected in my insurance rates. And I think we saw some frustration about that at our meeting last week with contractors that they're putting effort into this and it's not paying off in terms of financial payback um, at a time when commodities are so low. So, that logger training and certification program is another component of, of why our rates are high because, as a, as a state entity, we've never done anything to put that in place and so we're looking at a model that i think you'll find in new york and new york lumberman's um, self-insured trust or the um, certified logging professional in maine program that where they have a training program and then there's an on-site verification Uh, and we already have logger training here but no one goes no one's ever going out and verifying These practices have been implemented on the logging operation to actually reduce claims. That's what they found in Maine a long time ago. Was that um, though they could funnel lots of loggers through training, if there wasn't the support and the culture of implementing safer practices back at the job site, then the training was worthless. Uh, to, To you know, was not having an impact on the rate of injuries. I'm almost two and a half years into this between my private sector work on it and in the, in the position I'm in now. With uh, identifying those steps, getting the key players to the table, um, the insured logging contractors are eager to do something. They they essentially say are, are at a point where they wanna know what they need to do. The insurance carriers want they they want to see credibility and and uh, a program that's going to reduce risk. So bringing everyone together, understanding what their what the various the regulators, the insurers, the private business, private sector business owners, understanding what they have for needs that have to be met, and all of this has taken a long time to sort of uh, go around and meet with all them in one one form or another, communicate with them, learn from them, digest that, bring it back to the team, and um, try a path forward. Um, but we we have the benefit of the states around us that have done this, and people in particular uh, like Andy Wood, who was a logger and has been doing this logger safety, Uh, work loss prevention work and focusing on this for for um, for decades and he brings a a tremendous amount of credibility so what while I might be able to identify the on the ground issue and you know the 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 invoice in my mailbox from the insurance company Andy is someone who can say that's because of this this and this and here's you need to do ABC and uh, uh to address that, and, and not just Andy, but but people from around the region that that I, I just cite him because he's been heavily involved in our efforts in Vermont, but his counterparts around the region have also been repeating that message. So we're able to go back to the insurance companies and say, we know we need to develop a credible logger safety program. We're able to go to the loggers and say, we know you need a connection with your program and, and your training and, and your premiums. So we're, we're just going back we're sort of going out, communicating, coming back, feeding information back and forth. It's a very much a chicken and an egg situation. If I can maybe be more concise about it, um, because we have to advance all these different efforts at once. Otherwise they don't work if they go out of sync. So, um, that, that, that takes a tremendous amount of time well there's there's some terrific outcomes uh, available i believe that may take some time to see the benefit from but first off you have more of a focus on safety and reducing accidents because vermont does have a higher number of accidents and we don't we want people to go home at night to their families and be safe um, but the high workers compensation cost is a is a major glass ceiling for Forced economy business owners, um, if they want to employ someone, it becomes an enormous uh, shock to their financial system to pay for that just just to just to bring somebody on board, um, and the upfront costs and the insurance audits at each year and things like that. So. Making that easier, we're we're developing a lot of ways that we think will methods to make that an easier process that will help grow the businesses that are here and someone who's a great logger who is uh, just maybe has someone that could work for them, but they just are either fearful or just can't afford the insurance or are intimidated by it. We want to break all that down and make it so that people can grow their businesses and succeed. I think there's a very much an intergenerational transfer issue here with um, a lack of confidence that people can afford to uh, to go into this business or make a living in it with the workers comp rates and the situation, what it is. Um, And the success of the logging force is the success of landowners and forest management and mills and, uh, forest health, etc. So um, there's it's it's really easy and exciting to list all of the benefits of um, helping loggers solve this problem, this long-standing problem. People can be involved in this if they're already a member of a of like the if they're already LEAP certified or or SFI um, Sustainable Forestry Initiative certified. They can uh, there'll be more information going out to those. Um, certificate holders if someone is not certified they can be in touch with me Um, there we're we hope to be developing next steps in terms of something for logging contractors to sink their teeth into for um um it will be if you're already a certified logger there'll be um, an opportunity to attend um more occupational specific logger trainings in the future and so they should keep their eyes out for that. If you're a forest landowner or a forest manager, consulting forester, uh, ways to help with the avoidance issue of ensuring that people are uh, holding the proper insurance coverage when they're on your property is, is an important way too. And we're developing guidance for that. Um, I think that just, just uh, knowing that other states around us that have done this should give the logging contractors and the landowners and the foresters and the mill owners in vermont confidence that we can achieve this because we've seen it work with success around us and that it isn't um it shouldn't seem too daunting to them because i believe that we've got we've got the benefit of having that expertise and that very willing neighbor lending a hand to all the states around us helping us solve this problem and they should know that there's we're, we're going to develop this with their input and that uh, we want to see them succeed.
0: Steve Cooper spoke to me about workers' compensation from an insurer's perspective. Well,
4: from our side, listening to the numbers that were discussed while we were there, uh, the estimated number of logging companies in the state and how many of those actually carry work comp insurance uh from our side, the issue is with so few people paying in and any claim that occurs just by being there live really helped uh, uh, provide the picture of like how dangerous this this work is. So there's really not, most of the accidents that are gonna happen are gonna be pretty severe, pretty high dollar claims, And when you only have a few people paying in, you've got to have them pay a lot more to be able to cover those claims. Um, So what we need to try to do is, and and obviously that's the job of, of this commission that they've set up, is to figure out how to get more loggers into the system, because the more people you have paying in the less you need to ask from everybody to help cover these uh, uh, severe claims.
0: We at the Northern Lugger will keep you updated as this issue continues to develop. And if you're listening and are interested in sponsoring this podcast, there are plenty of opportunities to do so, to talk about the possibilities of sponsorship and otherwise getting the word out how your business operates within our industry uh, you can get in touch with me eileen at northernlogger.com or find us through our website www.northernlogger.com so thank you so much for listening to this month's episode please let your friends know that they can subscribe to this podcast via stitcher itunes google play and stream it online at the northernloggerpodcast.com this has been your editor eileen townsend have a great week